Hi, my name is Fabian Morgan and welcome to Everyday Dialogue, the podcast where we discuss everyday experiences that shape our lives as human beings, whether it's celebrating our successes or painfully navigating our way through failure and trauma. These experiences determine how we show up in the world for ourselves and others. On this platform, I will be sharing my personal experiences as well as inviting a variety of guests who will share their most authentic or vulnerable stories where we lift up those who dare to show up fully in life. With a new episode every Saturday, we will be tackling a broad range of subjects that deals with what it means to be us, what it means to be human. So pull up a seat and join me at my table. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Everyday Dialogue. On today's episode, I've invited an extra special guest, a friend of mine, Rebecca. Thank you for joining me, Rebecca. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me. So I've been trying to get Rebecca on my podcast for a while now. Um, She lives in Dubai and I haven't seen her in about six years. And um, she's a very busy woman. So it was, we're just trying to get our schedule to align and finally we did it. So it's good. (laughs) We've literally been like, okay, next week. Okay, what about next week? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to invite you on Rebecca because I find your journey in the last five to six years fascinating, purely on the basis of a, like I remember when you called me and you said to me on the phone, Fabian, I'm moving to Dubai. I had this. I've got this amazing opportunity. Um, and I remember you actually extended the olive branch and invitation to me at the time but I remember one of the reasons why I said no was purely because of my perception of Dubai at the time especially being like a gay man I just thought to myself oh the Middle East I'm gay will I be able to live a very comfortable life there would I feel safe but based on my education and more understanding of Dubai and also I did a podcast recording a few weeks back with another friend of mine who actually lives in Dubai now as well and he's told he said Fabian Dubai is not what you think it is and he's like there's even like nine gay clubs and I was like what I couldn't believe it so it's it's amazing so and where you are now compared to where you were when you first moved there it's amazing your journey so Talk me through when you first decided you wanted to move to Dubai and how all of that happened. Yeah, I mean, Dubai in itself, like you say, it, it's not what you thought it was going to be. That was the same experience for me. Like, literally, when I moved here, I had pure, like, trousers, like, long sleeve, like, tops, and, like, up to my neck, and, like, literally no exposure of my body. And I got out here, and I was like, it is hot. I can't move. <laughs> and then I... I was in like shorts and and like batty riders and big on the street and I'm like oh okay then so it's not it's not what I thought it was mm. um so yeah I think that from the outside world like you get this perception well back then that it was very like strict um and and very you know structured um but I think Dubai compared to the other Emirates is a little bit more relaxed and more westernized um but it's like to directly answer your question I think I was going through a bit of a a journey anyway like mentally because I found that when I left um after doing my master's um I had a really good job in like a multinational company then I went to head up a department and I just kept getting like fired in my probation period really (laughs) yeah it was a lot for me um I remember the first time um my manager told me perhaps I'm too ambitious for this role because I kept like finishing all my work by like two thirty, and then helping other people with theirs and doing like I was just very keen, um, which is a good thing. Like I was enthusiastic, and then on the other hand, with the other one, um, they got rid of me because they realised how much of an asset I was, and my purpose going in there was to set up their whole marketing department, um, and I did it within the three months, and I was a the highest paid like graduate. So they were like, okay, she's done it all. So we could just get rid of her now while she, it's in probation. Um, wow. And then we could use her work. Obviously, it never worked out for them because it took me to carry out the work. So, yeah, I got I was getting very emotional in the workplace. And when I say emotional, I still think it's necessary to be. But I was just very confused. Everything was getting to me. And that's actually what made me then get into sales after that, which is, you know, where I met you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then obviously learned some very hard lessons in the working world. You know what I mean? It was very challenging and I knew I just needed to toughen up and there's no better place to toughen up than sales. And then from that, um, you know, I think within, what was it, about through about four months or so, like I remember I made it into the top top five in the whole of the UK from our, our sales thing where I got to speak on the call and things like that. So I already started seeing myself climbing that. That's just, I'm always looking for what's next, like just improving, improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got headhunted out here in Dubai. Um, I always knew I wanted to live here at some point. Didn't know when it was going to be or how it was going to be. Um, but yeah, they just called me up. They were like, we'll put you through a very rigorous training course. And I was like, oh gosh, not again. Because <laughs> I've just come out the rigorous training as well. Um, but I was so prepared to do whatever it took to just elevate. And I knew that by moving country, changing environment um, will just help to take my, my, you know, the issues I was having back in the UK um, in the workplace. It was like I had a chance to make a difference somewhere else and see how that works out. So I just thought, let's go. Let's give it a go. And here I am, like almost five years later, mm. <laughs> still living it. No regrets? No, not none whatsoever. It has been a roller coaster of a journey. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, a lot of lows, but some crazy highs, like some proper wins that I could be proud of mm-hmm. for my own self. You know what I mean? So it's been worth it and it's it's grown, it's made me stronger. Um made me mature I thought I've always thought I was quite a mature person but you don't really realize the growth until you've grown that little bit more mm-hmm. um and this place it throws you in the deep end and it's allowed me to just figure things out I can't just fall on family fall on mom fall on dad brother sister it's like okay I'm here and I gotta deal with it you know so mm-hmm. yeah it's been great that's good. Um, Aaron, one of the things you said is that you said you wanted to go into sales to toughen you up. And it's interesting you say that because I actually do remember you you were very emotional. I remember there were times when we were networking and it was like you were someone that cried a lot, especially if you had like a really bad day. <laughs> but it's it's good that you've, you, you've, you've learned a lot. And I've always said this, for some reason, a lot of people that go into the sales industry, whether it's for a few years, whether it's for a few months, they never leave the industry the same person. There's just some lessons you learn working self-employed on commission that you know you have to motivate yourself for you to make money. You have to control your mind. And I think once you've had that experience, when you go back into the employment world where you're on a basic salary and when things are more structured, you saw, because you've already know what it is to work in a tough environment, when it comes to an employment environment, it's, it's, it's a walk in the park. And I think that's one of the reasons why I excelled so quickly when I left the industry. Um, and yeah. that, that clearly is also one of the reasons why you've excelled as well. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that was like such a strong point, you know, where we were working together, that environment, um, you know, it was really like tough and, and taking, like hearing no, like so many times a day mm-hmm. <laughs> is like depressing. But when you're able to turn that around. So when I then moved out here in sales and I was like going through the same kind of process, but it was actually a little bit easier for me because it was it was not as harsh after the training anyway. The training was like, <laughs> but then after that, um, I was doing it like it was light work. I was doing it in my sleep. I was just like, yeah. And I was combining like my personality with the skills that I'd learned. And that's what made me such um, an asset to them. Um, you know, my first week, I was just soaring. Like, you know, my first month was like just great it just I just kept excelling and they were recognizing that my experience what I was coming out of is what made me so good at what I was doing and they encouraged that so yeah like definitely that's really really good um did you know anyone in Dubai before you moved there I knew um one person (laughs) (laughs) one or yeah two two people that I went to boarding school with um, I heard that they were living out here um, and working out here. Before that, um, one of my best friends from when I grew up in Nigeria, um, her family had moved from Nigeria to Dubai. 
So that's what allowed me to first ever come here um, mm. when I was doing a layover, like just a stopover in Dubai on my way home from uh, Nigeria. Um, so then I knew they were going to be here. So when I got the role and stuff and I was communicating with them, I was like, oh, great, like I'll get to move here. At least I've got like family. Her parents are like parents to me. And then the week I got here, they'd left Dubai the week before. They'd, oh, <laughs> they'd my moved. God. I was like, no. But obviously, we kept in touch and things like that. So, yeah, it was literally just those two people. Um, and I met up with one of them because um, we all lived in the same boarding house. And then the other one had left Dubai um, in that time that I'd moved here. So, okay. basically, no, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> okay, okay. And um, so, I know, so w tell me a bit about Dubai. What is the cost of living like there? Is it is it a lot? Is it cheaper than London in terms of income ratio to 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 living ratio? I think firstly it depends on who you are as a person and what your interests are. Um, a lot of people get sucked into the lifestyle of being out, going to expensive places, eating in the top restaurants. Blah, blah, blah. If you were living. If you're living in London, there's like outer London and then there's central London. Yes. If you're living in London, that's probably reflecting on your salary, which means you probably can afford to eat out in central London all the time. But if you're out of London or, or just, you know, out of that zone one and two, you're less likely to be eating in central every day of the week, right? You would manage your lifestyle. Whereas in Dubai, it's basically like the costs of central London pretty much everywhere and you're living in and amongst it as well mm. so it's very hard for you to separate and pick and choose when you treat yourself to having a nice little meal or you know going out and getting a little table maybe once a month or on a special occasion it's hard to separate that and then people end up eating out every day going to nice places every day so then they would end up going oh Dubai is so expensive but it's not <laughs> um, I think the income, like, when I moved out here, my income automatically was, like, doubled, almost tripled compared to the last salary that I was on in the UK. Wow, that's good. So that good. was already a bonus. Um, yeah, it was, like, probably, yeah, double, just over doubled. Um, and then when I was in my, my next job after that, it, like, tri <laughs> tripled <laughs> easily. So, and then the, the cost of living, depending on your area... You're spending, like, I mean, I can tell you right now, I live in a three-bedroom villa, and... What, by yourself? Yes, by myself. Okay, friend, <laughs> but, okay, friend. I need my peace and tranquility, because it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> I ain't mad at um, that. I, I had to do it, I had to do it. But do you know what? Everyone goes, oh, what, why are you living in a villa? All of that. But actually, it is cheaper... Or it's, it's equivalent to living in a one-bedroom apartment in the marina here, which is just about cheaper than living in a studio in central London. Mm. So it's... I, I, my big old house here is cheaper than a one-bedroom in, in London. Even not even in central, in London. <laughs> Full stop. It's it's true, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about location, location, location. Because even for, for me and my partner, we bought a house in Kent. Now, we live in a four-bedroom detached house. We've got a garden. It's a townhouse, so it's three floors. It's massive, right? Mm -hmm. And we've got a garage as well, plus drive driveway for two of the cars. Now, if my house was in London, my house would be worth way over a million pounds. But we were smart. We thought, let's get more for our money. Let's move out of London so we can get a bigger place. Because we could have stayed in London, but we would have probably got like a two-bedroom flat with no, with just a little piece of balcony for the same amount of money in central London. So it's it's exactly what you're saying. Why rent a one-bedroom nice villa on the Marine when you can get a three-bedroom villa for the same price just a bit further out? You just commute in if you want. I commute into London. I'm only an hour away. So, yeah, you, you, that's a very smart financial decision. Also, the fact that you mentioned you've got two spare rooms, I know where I'll be staying when I come to Dubai. <laughs> Oh, don't kill me. Well, I've actually converted one of the rooms into a wardrobe, but I've got one spare bedroom now. <laughs> well, that's good. So I'll let you know when I'm coming. So I, it, now that I know you've got a spare room, I ain't paying for no hotel. <laughs> <laughs> always welcome in my home. Always, always. But yeah, like, 
it's, it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, there's so many like little deals and little like tips and tricks of, of how to like really get by out here. Like I really don't end up spending much at all, like to maintain the lifestyle that I want to live here, which isn't like wild or anything. I've built a very good network out here. So your network is your network and it's where all your perks come from as well. Do you know what I mean? And vice versa, like whatever I'm doing out here, people get perks from, you know, mm -hmm. when they come to like my restaurant or to one of my events or things like that. So it's just about building the right network, finding like the more affordable supermarket. Like people are going to go to Waitrose to go shopping instead of like what we have like out here called like Viva or Carrefour, which are other shopping. Like... It's just knowing things. And if mm -hmm. you become friends with people that have either grown up here or locals, when you really like broaden your network, you end up finding out like a lot of stuff that you didn't know if you were just an expat in your bubble. Mm -hmm. So I don't class it as like wildly expensive. I just think you've got to know how to live within your means and level up gradually. Don't just jump to look good in front of everyone else. Exactly. It, it's funny you said that. You said something very powerful. You said your network is your net worth. That is such a powerful quote. And you're so right. You're a, you're a product of your environment. And um, one I've recorded an episode actually with Ludmill um, a week ago. And one of the things Ludmill says is just because you've doubled your income doesn't mean you need to double your expenses. And I think that's one of the biggest Mis mistakes people make because sometimes it's so easy for us to try and keep up with the Jones especially on social media all my friends are flying first class and they're doing all this and it's fine if you can afford to do that five times over but if you know you're using your last penny to to, to wow. stay in a five-star hotel what's the point you can put it on your Instagram that's the only reason they're doing it you know because if for all your life you've been like squish up in an economy seat and there's there's not been any problem by it, and then now you can just about save up to get a first class somewhere like on a flight, you're doing that for the ground. It's not because you need to be in a first class seat. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean? Like you want to put that on the ground. Like all right, it's different if it's a special occasion or oh, let me treat myself. But most of the time you'll do that a couple times and boom, you're back to being broke again and you have to build it up it's not worth that until it becomes very easy for you to make those like you know to, to purchase kind of seats like that i mm. just think that a lot of people just are lost when it comes to looking at what's going on in society and, and the outer world mm -hmm. and then they just start to lose their own personality like they struggle to know who they are anymore i've gone through places of not really knowing who I am anymore, but not because of that sort of stuff, not because of societal trends. It's been more because of what external things have been happening to me, like what people, friends, like relationships, business, how like I know I'm such a good person with a good heart and I do like what I can for people. And I've just been like, it's been thrown back in my face in such tragic ways that's where I've lost, like, you know, who am I? Like, what, what am I about? Mm -hmm. Not because, oh, everyone says, let's do this TikTok. Now we've got to do this TikTok. So I actually make a very conscious effort to be open about sharing my stories and my experiences with people um, and on my social media. Like, one day I will post and I'm looking cute and I'm all glammed up. And then the next day I'm in the gym sweating and I'm just like, oh, or I'm at football, like, Yes, I'm a woman. Yes, I play football. Yes, I play basketball. And I will post videos of me skilling up guys on the, on the pitch. And then the next minute, it's me cooking in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be my true self. If I'm not okay, you know about it. Like, I might post up a couple of, like, stuff. If I'm flying high, you know about it. So now you can see that journey, which is why... Um, I really appreciate when people say, oh, like, you know, I see how you've come such a long way because they really do know what's been going on. They haven't just seen, oh, I started here and now I'm here. How did it happen? They've seen that, oh, I remember because last year you were really down in this. Do you know what I mean? It's important to keep it real. Do you know what? And this is what I love about you, Rebecca. And this is why I think we clicked when you first started working with me in sales. You're authentically you. 
You're not fake. If you're not feeling great, you say you're not feeling great. You say, do you know what? I'm not in a good place right now. And I love that about you. You're authentic. And I think that's where we connected because I think in life, you have to show the good with the bad. Because I even said to my friends, like me doing my podcast, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be vulnerable about the struggles and the, the issues that I go through in my personal life. And no one can chat shit about you because you're the one that put it out there. It ain't no secret. It ain't no rumour. It came out of my motherfucking mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, no one can twist your words when you're the one that spoke the words, right? So, so that's what it is. such an open book, it means that if someone comes to say, oh, you said this and did that, like, you know I'm an open book. I have no issue to say, like, what I did say, what I didn't. If I really didn't say it, then I'm going to get very defensive about it because my integrity is everything. And I, I sometimes I... I feel like I let myself down by getting worked up. But it's because my integrity is everything. Do not question it and do not put something out of my mouth that hasn't actually come out of my mouth. It will make me mad. So then I now sat, I, I seem guilty because I'm overcompensating because it's like I cannot. Because you know that if that was the case, I would say it straight up. So what you see is what you get. And when you're consistently like that, people know to expect that which then allows you to become more reliable, more trustworthy, more credible. And that's not just in friendships and relationships, but in the workplace as well. So it's, it's one of them kind of skill sets as well as it being a natural kind of way of being, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you're definitely like that as well. <laughs> you are like that as well. You will say exactly as it is, no filters. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm known for being quite direct, yeah. I'm, I, the thing is with me, people always know where they stand with me. I'm not going to be fake. And you know how I was even in sales. You know, like some of the sales um, like managers or some of the sales crew managers or team leaders, they were, they would still entertain some of the nonsense of some people because of the whole positive thing. You know me, I don't give a, f I don't care. Like I'm, I'm not networking with you and I'm not entertaining you because you're coming to me every day with the same shit. <laughs> like sometimes Ludmill used to have to say, Fabian, be a bit more diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, um, how, what was, some of the lows that you experienced in Dubai? What were some of the difficult periods? And at any point, did you feel like, do you know what, I think I, I want to go home? Yeah. Um, do you mean that like on a personal basis or professional basis? Or, eat, eat, like yeah, eat, eat, either or either, both, both. Um, okay, so I think the first like real low for me was the company that I got headhunted to come out here for, mm -hmm. uh, to work for, um, that made me physically ill. Um, like, I had to come back to the UK and have a small procedure done because that's how much stress I was under. And essentially, wow. I was bullied. And, like, given that I am such an outgoing, strong person who don't take no crap from nobody. Like I was in a position where my hands were a bit tied because I'm at work and I'm an employee. So I can't necessarily handle it the way I want to handle it. Um, but at the same time, this person was allowed to just get away with how they were behaving. So um, the person that I worked like alongside, like the consultant that I was working for in, in sales, um, who was also a woman, and there weren't many women in that um in that company anyway. Um, and when I joined, obviously I joined like on a high and everyone like loved me and they were like, oh, you're really smashing it, da, da. So you would surely think that like, if I'm bringing in good business, that allows you to make good money, right? Surely. Mm -hmm. So encourage And I felt like she had a little power trip thing going on. Um, she'd worked with, I think about, um, eight or nine, I think they said about nine other people before me, usually consultants will have like one, two, max three, that change over the time. She had nine people that had gone, no, don't want to work with you. No, I can't take it anymore. I'm quitting, like quit their jobs kind of thing because mm. of her. And I remember my manager, she was so difficult, like this lady with me and my manager was just like, I feel like you're the only person that <laughs> can actually deal with her. You've got this far, like with her and no one's ever gotten this far and you understand like, she might have some flaws uh, and complications. So I tried to stick at it, but she was literally bullying me. She was ruining all my deals. 
Um, wow. Why would you ruin my deals? Because now you don't make the money off, off my deals. It doesn't make sense. Um, and she was literally like, she was putting me on like a breaking a break schedule. Like she would count how many times I went to the toilet. Like you know, if wow. I walked like from lunch a minute late because the lifts because we were like really high up, the lifts used to take so long. It was famous for that. So that you wouldn't really get in trouble if you're a few minutes like late. My own manager isn't watching me like that. So why are you? Because you don't actually have a right to. Like you don't have any authority over me. I'm just working with you. But she was really putting me on like harsh constraints to the point that I was coming in the office at seven thirty or, or no ten past seven when we actually started work at like eight thirty. So I'm coming in an hour and a half early, leaving. Like I'm the last person to leave every day and then on top of that i'd go out networking till like 11 like one like you know all these like corporate events but like i was going above and beyond trying to like just get by and have peace and make some good money and she was just ruining it and she was really horrible to me she used to cuss me out in front of people and i can't respond to that because it's not professional and then i will be the black girl with the attitude that goes and kicks off and done like if i tried to say anything back so i just had to be mindful of how I could portray, how I could be um, perceived if I handled it, how I wanted to handle it, um, and then also being true to myself, which is very professional. Um, and it made me sick, physically sick. I was, I used to have the worst stomach cramps. It gave me, like, my anxiety is already bad as it is. Um, and yeah, I was in a real, 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 like, rut. And then eventually I ended up leaving the company um, and I was out of work for, like, a few months. And... It was tragic. Um, that was like the first, and then I've had a quite a few other low lows, um, and part like most of it has been where it's coming out of a relationship or a situation mm. with someone who I really have cared about and really like loved. Um, you see me when I'm on my grind. I'm on my grind. If I meet someone along that journey, great. You can add to it. You can stay there. Whatever it is, I'm still going to strive and do what I have to do. But you see, if we end <laughs> and then I'm heartbroken in whatever way, because no doubt you've done something really like horrible, um, that my world falls apart. Like I struggle to compart. You struggle to compartmentalize. Yeah. And, and that was, so last year was definitely that for me. That was like the, the, the love of my life literally broke me into pieces. My depression was the worst it's ever been. I've suffered from depression um, for quite some time, high-functioning depression, which is like, you wouldn't know it. Yeah. I'm smiling and I'm worried about my business. Um but I've got a lot going on internally. No one ever knows it. But this this time, it was very outwardly known. I was having crazy kind of thoughts. I was like, you know what? Everything that I'm building and working towards with my business, I was like, I just want to give it up, go home. I didn't want to be in the same country as him. Man went and got married three months later, like after no. <laughs> Well, I thought that was going to be the man that I was going to marry. <laughs> Like, when I tell you love of my life, and then, yeah, and it was bad because people knew, like, people knew about it, and it was very public, so it was also embarrassing for me as well as heartbreaking. Whilst I'm in the middle of trying to fully set up my business. So it was hard to, um, that was the most challenging time because I was trying to stay focused, but I was a mess, the biggest mess I've ever been. Pete, like, I've had my closest friends, like, I've never seen you like this before. Um, but I overcame it. And I overcame it and, and was like bigger and better for it. And it wasn't my loss in the end. It was definitely his. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so much great stuff happened after that, you know. Uh, everything business-wise came into place. I found my investors. Uh, I started on that grind. You know, I reconnected with God. Um, not that I lost connection, but I just got stronger with God. Mm-hmm. And then won a Black Excellence Award. Then I won a Money 2.0 Award for Outstanding Leadership. Like, you know, it was just all flowing. All like, the positives, yeah. So it's crazy when you just... Maybe that work really weren't for me. And when you expel, like, certain bad energy out of you, out of your life, and, and you, one door closes, another door opens, and then I just had all this space to really do what I'm about. I cut off certain people 
who were just dragging me down mentally, exhausting me. And yeah, I moved house. So because of all that, I couldn't even be in my own house anymore. Um, didn't deal with any memories, whatever. So I moved house to the place that I always wanted to be in. And now I'm at peace. So yeah, I've had some real lows, but some amazing I've always highs. Come yeah. So what so what was it specifically that helped you pull yourself out of that depression? Thank first and foremost, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people um don't really like to share that they've they they battle with depression. And I think more people should speak about that because that's something that a lot of us go through. Just some of us are just more forthcoming with the information. So thank you for sharing that. But what would you what would you say? what shift did you make mentally to, to, to get yourself out of that really low place when you're going through that difficult breakup? So I went through therapy Brilliant. Um, for a period of time. Obviously out, out here in Dubai, certain services like that are really expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but because I was open about what I was going through and I spoke to one of my friends, and I was like, I just really want to go through therapy, but I'm not going to be able to afford it and then she was able to ex express to me that actually she was going through some stuff and she found a therapist who was very affordable because it was a not-for-profit organization um and so you're spending like 30 pounds a session when usually it'll be like 300 pounds a session or something crazy um so yeah she connected me with this lady and it was it was affordable and i think that was definitely one of the biggest things that helped being able to uh, speak about it to someone that doesn't know because I didn't need to feel embarrassed um, as well. Mm. Um, having the support from specific friends out here, like I can now say, like, I, I know that there's a small handful of people out here that are my absolute family to the end now. Um, and being able to kind of be in that hole and they will come to my house and literally pick me up off the floor. And literally be like, you need some fresh air, opening the curtains. I'm like, no, like, just close it. I don't want to do it. And I'll just be like, I, I went ghost, like, for literally, like, three months. I was not seeing people thought I left the country. Um, so having the people that really knew me well enough to know that they needed to take control of me at that point and just say, get up. And to constantly repeat themselves, because as much as I'm hearing that what they're saying and I feel good for the rest of the day, then tomorrow I'm back on the same broken record of like, I feel horrible, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, do you know what I mean? So yeah, having that support system, um, therapy definitely helps. And then I think I went through a lot of like self-sabotage for a while because mm. I knew what was painful for me. And I knew what was going to make it worse. And I kept putting myself in that position. It's like the pain felt better than like trying to, to get out of that hole. It was just easier to just feel more pain. So that's why I kind of, you know, put certain boundaries in place, blocked, <laughs> had to do some blocker blocker. Um, and then I just had to decide, I think, I mean, this guy getting married was literally the decider. I was like, no, nah, this is taking the mic now. Yeah. So um, that allowed me to just go, right, I'm not making any more excuses and what ifs. And I'm not going to be hopeful on this anymore. It's time for me to just be who I was and just, it just clicked. Like one day I was just like, no, i got to do this. And I think because I kept, I was still working and networking and, you know, a lot of my work is from, the, from my phone half the time. Because I was still, you know, like I say, high-functioning depression, I've got that mask on and people think things are fine, that, then that opportunity came through with my investors who I was connected with. Um, actually, before that even happened, I was running, like, um, another company where I was partnering with them. And that guy screwed over all the employees and me as the partner, and it put a real fire under my belly because I don't like when people take the mic. Mm. And so I was on this, like, ah, and I feel like I channeled a lot of my energy into that and getting justice for everyone. Um, and then I met my investors. So it's like keeping busy. Eventually, when I got off the sofa, I literally didn't sleep in my bed for like six months. Wow. Um, I was on the sofa. And 
couldn't sleep, really bad insomnia. I still have bad insomnia. Um, but yeah, like just keeping busy, even when I didn't want to, it just kind of worked itself out. And then when things started getting better and better, you know, success was coming through. The awards that I got, like I was very shocked that I, people were even watching what I was doing, like trying to build my business and, and, and the impacts that I'm having on people. I didn't realise it. Um, so that recognition really helped me know I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then I met a pastor out here who it's crazy because like, I literally met her and then she was just relaying everything that she could feel from like speaking with me, mm. you know, she knew that I'm someone that wears the weight of the world on my shoulders because I'm helping everybody else while I was trying to help myself. And, you know, she just started relay all these things. And I was literally like, how do you know this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I stayed really close with her as well. Um, and now I, I go, I found a church out here that I'm, I'm going to. That's now good. And just, yeah. That's good. I think, I think in life, you have to get to a point where you're selfish. Sometimes you have to say to yourself, I need to focus on me. I can't help anyone else until I help myself. I can't give anyone else of myself until I help myself. Like one of my favorite quotes is my cup runneth over, which means that people get what runs over the cup, but what's in the cup is for me. Yeah, you can't give people anything else. Um, let's talk about your business. So I absolutely love the fact that you went to Dubai and opened your own Caribbean restaurant. And I love the name Carabeca. I thought that was such a clever name because obviously it's a play on your name and Caribbean. So tell me about how did that idea come about and how did you start that? I know you said you got your investors, but where did you think to create this idea and how, how was the journey running your business and setting up your business? Um, so in March, it will be March 2023 this year. It, it will be three years since I started the brand. Mm -hmm. um, I started it at the beginning of COVID. I always knew at some point I want to open my own restaurant one day, my own Caribbean restaurant. Don't know where in the world it's going to be um, or when it will be, but I just always knew I wanted to do it. And then when I moved out here, um, after I kind of settled in and got my friendship circle and a lot of them were British and stuff, and I would just be cooking up all the time, posting on my Instagram, just, you know me, I, I document my whole life. And then people would be like, oh, I really want some of that. Oh, can I come over? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I end up always cooking every day, like too much food, because I know at some point someone's going to come over and with their Tupperware boxes and take food away. Um, and then one of my... Um, best guy friends at the time was saying to me like you need to like start this properly and I was like what do you mean he's like you know people will pay good money for, for your food you know like your food bangs like definitely go for it and then there was a couple of birthdays and they were like oh do you mind if I pay for the ingredients like would you cook for, for my birthday and I'm like yeah of course and it just started and then naturally like it was like it was just happening people were like how much will it be you know they kind of came to me for the service and then when COVID started um and we were we had curfew before anything out here in Dubai so we I had like a window in the day to get food out and then I just thought do you know what let's start this and the idea the name I thought it was a quick turnaround I was like I need to think of a name I need to da 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 da, -da Caribbean I don't know Carabeca was the first name that came to my mind it's such just a good by name me collaborating my name with Car the Caribbean it was the first one on my list. And then I tried a couple of other names and I just kept going, no, back to that, back to that. Like, and it just rolled off the tongue. So I went with it. And then I wasn't really making very good money at the time because, um, because of COVID where I was now training people in, um, in the finance industry, uh, I had just trained like a, one of the biggest banks out here in Dubai. Um, before Christmas and then by the time it was time for the second cohort in March um, where I'm training 60 people three times a day um, COVID can't have groups of people together it took away my whole income which was good money like really wow. good money so I was just like I need to start this and but I didn't have the money to even buy the ingredients um, so one of my really good friends and he's been like, shout out Humphrey. He's been 
a massive like supporter of everything I've done out here in especially you know opening Caravaca and he was just like look I've got a villa um come and use my house he was actually allowing me to store my barbecue in his house in all that time anyway wow. and he was like just let me know what the costs are he paid for all the ingredients he actually came and did the food shopping with me he helped out where he could in the kitchen you know peeling a couple of potatoes or whatever and literally the first day, like, we, we made some serious money, serious sales. People were just pulling up at the drive, like the driveway, picking up their order, going to the point that it went so well that I had to do another one the next day. And then we looked at each other and we were like, yeah, this is going to work. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing my thing. Um, so, yeah, it's been, I've gone from that to, like, COVID lifting to then going into actual restaurants and venues to do brunches out here in Dubai. So where usually you'd have promoters going in to venues to say, let me bring the people and we'll have a party. I was going in saying, my food brings the crowd. So let me come into your kitchen and cook. <laughs> and then you're going to get a crowd that follows with it. You know what I mean? So it was a very different way um, which is why I still separate myself from being viewed as a promoter um, because naturally people just come with it and I promote everyone's business and everyone's whatever. So it's a bit of both. And then, yeah, like I did lots of yachts, um, private catering on yachts. I was a private chef at one point. You know, mm. I was not afraid to just put myself at oh, any yeah. level, like whether it's do you know what I mean? Like, I was a private chef to someone that was a friend, like, that I knew, like, well, I met him, he became a friend through me being a private chef because he knew the rest of my friends out here. But, you know, like, there's people out here that get paid, like, really minimal to be a private chef. Do you know what I mean? Um, obviously, where mine was a specific cuisine and it's rare to find and I was doing it on a bit more of a, a nicer, like, scale... So it was good money, but it's like I was not feeling shameful about doing that. If it's making me money, that's what it is. So, yeah, I was fearless in what I was doing. And especially when I go on yachts, like catering on yachts, and there's like rich British clients, and they're kind of like, they're talking to me like before that, before I even open my mouth, they probably don't know a British or anything, and they're kind of talking to me in some funny way, and I'm so when I kind of articulate myself back and they're like, oh, wow. And their perception completely like changes and then mm. they gain respect and then they're like, oh, my gosh. And then I get more business, which is one thing that I learned from being in sales. Mm -hmm. When you know how people just make an assumption and then you open your mouth and you speak facts and knowledge and they're like, oh, and then it turns it around into a sale. So applying a lot of that skill set um, and then, yeah. Uh, last year, um, I was introduced to the right investor, and now we're going the whole mile together. So, brilliant! Yeah, the restaurant is, we have it; it's under renovation, so it's not technically open yet. Uh, it's under renovation, um, and last year as well, I got the chance to run another restaurant with my food being the, the whole menu of the restaurant. So it gave me that experience because it's not my industry, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it gave me that experience. I'm just learning on the job, but I'm a quick learner. Um, and when you've got passion, it just, it's trial and error, but when you've got passion, like, you'll figure it out. So, yeah, that's where I'm at now. Definitely. That sounds... You won yeah, awards. I know I saw like Chef Award of the Year and whatever you won. <laughs> I was like, I haven't even opened the restaurant yet. But, well but, done. You know, it just goes to show it's just passion. Um, and I'm really humbled like, by it as well. Like, I'm, I'm sure I've got many more like successes to come, but mm -hmm. one thing that you won't catch me saying, and mark my words, because I'm saying it now on this podcast, yes. if I become bougie, you need to bring me back down to earth. But I never want to change. There's nothing wrong with being a little, little bougie. Just, just Nothing wrong with being a little bougie, yeah, because I'm not even going to lie, I'm a little bougie, and I love it, but I think but I think people always associate bougie with being a negative, you can still be bougie and still be humble and still be, well, humble, yeah. humble, half humble, but still be, like, quite respectable and remembering where you come from, like, 
Yeah. We did door-to-door sales on commission. We ain't scared to do anything else. I'm not scared to go back to basics. I'm not scared to, to, to do anything. And this is the, this is the, I would say, this is the biggest thing you learn from working in sales. You're not scared to take risks. You're not scared to put yourself out there because you have to have a certain level of confidence to network and to come out your comfort zone and speak to different people. Networking gets you so far ahead. And that's one of the biggest things I took from what you're saying networking is is you wouldn't have met your investors or you wouldn't have probably even won the award if you weren't networking and putting yourself out there and even like for myself one of the reasons why I got to where I got to now is because I'm constantly networking the recruitment company that helped me find my job my new job I found out about that recruitment company through my ops manager and my old job just because I was networking with her about what companies do you use to find jobs so and we all need a village. You can't do everything on your own. We need people for advice, for connections, for, yeah. So it's really good seeing you did that. Uh, like, I, um, like a few years ago, I started a, a, a network out here for women in leadership in finance, tech and law. Wow. I did a number of conferences, seminars um, and stuff like that. Where I was bringing not just women but men also together to have like really nice experiences, not just sitting there listening to someone talk at you and then go like it's very interactive and fun and whatever. But they were getting serious like takeaways from it. But I was benefiting too because I'm learning from powerful people around me, um, and it was so necessary to be a part of like a network like that. Now, um, obviously I stopped doing that like a, a while ago, but I will start it back up again. Uh, but also some of my girls out here, they um, started a network called Women Who Thrive. Um, literally, as I'm looking in my, like around at my living room right now, I can see like so much of their like branded stuff. I've still got my Christmas tree and I've got their ball ball like in my Christmas tree, my little piggy bank over there. Um, you know, they put together a network for the same thing, bringing like like-minded people together, like-minded women, and empowering them and giving them like you know each session is a different skill set or exposure to something that maybe you wouldn't have gotten before. Being a part of these communities, which I think is one positive thing about being here in Dubai, I'm not so sure about that in London if there's as many. But being part of these communities is what not just helps you network, but what helps you learn and stay focused. Because like you said, you're a product of your environment. Um, If I'm around the party scene all the time, I'm going to forget about my priorities and I'm only going to think about hollering at my party people. If I'm also, I know that once a week or once a month, I'm at the Women Who Thrive event. You know, I'm also part of the UAE Africa Network out here, very close with them as well. Every week, every Wednesday, they have a networking event. I know that, yes, I might have to go out, out because of Karabekka, you know, maybe two, three times a week. But then I also know that every Wednesday, I'm at this networking event. And then, you know, do you know what I mean? So I'm back to a year of everything else so that I don't end up being sucked into, like, just one area. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, like, networking is everything. It literally is everything. And you wouldn't even, like... You wouldn't realize what you're capable of doing until you're meeting someone that doesn't know you and they're hearing you talk or hearing you say what what you've been doing in the last however long. And then getting that feedback loop from them, it's like, it's almost like it's blowing your head up, like making you have a big head, but sometimes you don't actually know it yourself. Um, So yeah, it's it's powerful. It's definitely powerful. That's really, really good. Um, What's next for you? What's your goals for 2023? I got some big goals. Um, actually, funnily enough, through my networking, um, I was going through a court case out here against one of my old companies, um, and so I had to use a translation company um, to help me to translate everything into Arabic for my court case. And funnily enough, because I was there all the time translating stuff, um, he said to me, I need to work with you. <laughs> like the owner of the company is like, I really need to work with you. I really want to set up another translation company. I want you to be my partner. Um, we'll open this business together. And it would coincide quite well with me having the restaurant because I can have my meetings there and vice versa. So the restaurant will open very soon. Nice. Um, I'm in the process. All my goals, I'm already stuck. Like they're already in 
in uh, process and in action. So I'll be opening that. Um, I have a third business that I'm really interested in opening, which is essentially around connecting people and building a network and having access to a network through my platform. So that's something I'm working on for this year. So that will make it, what, three three businesses? Um, and then um, on a personal side, being more kind to myself because I put a lot of pressure on me because mm. I believe that there's a lot of expectation. When you, when you kind of level up, then people are expecting you to level up even more and more and more, whereas they don't expect you to dip in the process. Um, and I've had a lot of dips in private, whereas now I'm definitely going to be more open about that. Um, so, yeah, being more kind to myself and just maintaining my peace, making sure that I commit to my time with God um, and setting boundaries like no other and being a bit more selfish um, no is no like I had so many no's throughout sales that I don't know why I found it so hard to say no myself mm. like I should be able to say it easily because people don't care to say it to me so that's another thing um and hopefully we we rack in some more awards who knows well done um yeah what you said in the end was very powerful that be kind to yourself that's so crucial and that's something i struggle with sometimes in terms of I put a lot of pressure on myself but it's important that you love yourself be kind to yourself do more self-care practices look after your your well-being because you're just more productive to everybody to yourself and to the world you can give a better version of yourself um, I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining my podcast. You've been inspirational. Um, your journey has really inspired me. And I love the fact that as a young black woman, you're just out there doing your thing. And um, keep winning, keep thriving. And I'm, I'm excited to see what you do next. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was so good to like connect with you again. It's like a whole big catch up. <laughs> I know. Listen, I can't wait to come to Dubai this year and see you. So me and you can have like a catch up because a lot has happened in the last five and six years. So we can we can go deep and just talk about yeah, some. Unpack that all. <laughs> yeah, because I went therapy as well. So a lot of a lot of um, stuff has happened as well in my life and stuff like that. I've even I've even mentioned most of it on my podcast as well. But my journey has been very interesting as well. So yeah, but thank you. Thank you. At the end of this video, guys, I would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate the podcast, and also leave a review.